The beginning of an easier stretch of the schedule does not translate to a victory for the New York Jets. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast. It is Monday, November 22nd, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen each day. Today we're going to recap a 24-17 loss for the Jets to the Miami Dolphins, ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yesterday's game was the beginning of an easier portion of the schedule for the New York Jets, but if you were looking for an improved performance, you did not get it, as Miami defeated the Jets 24-17 at MetLife Stadium. The game began on a very negative note for the Jets. Miami received the opening kickoff and went right down the field in 11 plays, capped by a Jalen Waddell one-yard touchdown run. The Dolphins had the Jets on their heels this entire drive. They were using tempo, they were using misdirection, there were lots of fakes. Jets were constantly out of position. This defense looked every bit as bad as it had the previous two weeks as the Dolphins went right down the field and scored a touchdown. And things got worse because the Jets had to punt on their first series. Now, they did not go three and out. They were able to convert one first down, but they had to punt. And at that point, the game had that feel like, here we go again. The Jets are being dominated. But things picked up a bit after that. Now, I don't know whether it was the Jets' defense making a play as much as it was Tua Tagovailoa making a mistake, but he kind of airmailed a third down pass that was intercepted by Ashton Davis. Probably more of a mistake by Tua, but Davis did make a nice play closing on the ball, and he made a nice diving catch, and the Jets were able to take advantage. The first play after that, Michael Carter, who had a big game before he left with an injury, took a carry and ran it 39 yards, got it all the way to the one-yard line, and then Jets offense kind of stalled at this point. I mean, this was a really ugly play calling series from the one. First of all, they had to burn a timeout. On first down, they gave it to Carter again, which you know Miami's going to be selling out against the run. Then on second down, you have a designed rollout, which I don't really understand. I, I hate the rollout on the goal line because the field is so compressed already, and I especially hate the rollout on the goal line when you don't have a mobile quarterback who can even run the ball in that situation. That leads to an incompletion. On third down, I don't know if it was designed to go to Barrios, but Miami blitzes. Miami may be forced to pass to Barrios, and it was incomplete. Finally, on fourth down, the Jets run a little bit of a pick play, and Joe Flacco is able to hit Jamison Crowder for a touchdown to tie the game at seven. Dolphins get the ball back. Again, I thought Tua was kind of wild. I wasn't sure it was so much the, the Jets' defense doing anything well, but they got a quick three and out, although I thought Tua was kind of kind of inconsistent on his throws in that series. And the Jets moved the ball again. They got the ball all the way to the Miami five-yard line. Unfortunately, on a second-and-goal play, Joe Flacco fumbled. There was a blitz. The Jets did not pick it up. It was a blindside, a big hit. You know, I don't know how much it's Flacco's fault. I don't know how much it's the protection's fault. Again, a guy came at him as a free runner from his blind side. It looked like Flacco had a chance to get the ball out quickly. You know, the whole point of putting Flacco in there was that he was supposed to know where to distribute the ball, how to get it out quickly against the Blitz. Now, he did that for the most part, but against Miami on this play, it resulted in a red zone fumble, which certainly hurt the Jets. The teams then traded punts. 
then the Jets drove the ball a little bit. They got the ball to the Miami 36 where the drive stalled, and Matt Amendola missed a 55-yard field goal. We're going to talk plenty about Matt Amendola. This is right before the end of the first half, and the Dolphins' offense, which had not really done much since the opening series, put together a drive. They got into a little bit of a rhythm. You know, it's funny. Sometimes you get into the two-minute drill, and it can help a struggling offense out. You kind of change the momentum. You change the rhythm. And the Dolphins drove the ball all the way to the Jets' 14-yard line, and the Jets kind of caught a break. Jason Sanders hit the goalpost on a 32-yard attempt. So the game went to halftime, tied at 7. The Jets received the second-half kickoff, and they got the ball to the Miami 38-yard line. And they were about to attempt a 56-yard field goal attempt by Amendola. And they lose track of time, and they take a delay-of-game penalty, which eliminates their opportunity to attempt a field goal. We've seen this before. We saw this last week when they could not get the play in quickly enough on fourth down, although this was not so much a play-calling issue as much as it was the field goal team not getting on the field. It's baffling that that could happen. Anyway, the Jets punched the ball, and they're actually able to pin the Dolphins at their own 10-yard line, but Miami goes right down the field in four plays. Isaiah Dunn gets lost completely out of position as Tua hits Mac Collins for a 65-yard touchdown wide open in the spot where Dunn was supposed to be. So the Jets got the ball back. They're down 14-7, to and they put together a drive, and they get the ball into the red zone again. They get the ball to the Miami 12-yard line, but on second and five, Joe Flacco takes an intentional grounding penalty, which pushes the Jets back 10 yards. They end up in third and 15, and Matt Amendola misses a 40-yard field goal. So you got to put most of the blame on Amendola for missing the 40-yard field goal, but part of the blame has to go to Flacco for taking the intentional grounding penalty. He did not need to ground the ball in that situation. Fortunately, the Jets' defense stood tall. They forced a quick three and out, and the Jets got the ball back, and the play of the game happened on this series. On third and eight from the Jets' 38, Miami shows blitz. They kind of drop out of the blitz, but you know one of the things about showing blitz, about putting all your guys at the line of scrimmage, it still really leaves your defenders one-on-one because it takes time for them to get back. The Jets have learned this a couple times this year is that even when you drop out of the blitz, you know, you're, you have all those guys at the line of scrimmage stacked and they drop out, they can't always get back to their spot quick enough. And Flacco was able to hit Elijah Moore, who had a huge game for a 62-yard touchdown. The Jets were in business. It's 14-14. And then the defense just fell apart. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's 14-14 late in the third quarter. And the Jets' defense can't get off the field. Miami puts together a 14-play touchdown drive. Three times the Jets fail to get off the field when they're in a third-down situation. One of them came on third and four from the five-yard line when they actually made a nice play. Bryce Hall broke up a pass. And John Franklin Myers takes just an inconceivable roughing the passer penalty. I mean, it, it it was roughing the passer. You can't complain about that one. Sometimes you complain about calls that go against your team in key spots. I mean, that's roughing the passer. You you can't do that. The Jets then got the ball back. Quick three and out. The Dolphins, with the Jets' defense needing a stop, the Dolphins go down the play again. 12 plays. They get a field goal. Again, the Jets' defense can't get off the field on third down. The key sequence here was Jason Pinnock holding penalty when the Jets again got a defensive stop. So penalties playing a huge role in the Jets' demise in this game. The Dolphins kick a field goal. The Jets then got the ball back with 
under two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and the Dolphins were in prevent defense. The Jets got into field goal range, were able to kick a field goal, but Miami recovered the onside kick, and the Jets were on their way to loss number eight of the 2021 season as they fall to two and eight. Now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll go into more detail about everything that went wrong for the Jets in this game. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. You may have been watching the Jets game yesterday, but you also were probably wondering how your fantasy players were doing. So maybe you wanted a second screen or even a third screen to follow some of the other NFL action that intrigued you. And that great way to get your TV together is called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. Today we are recapping a 24-17 loss to the Miami Dolphins as the Jets fall to 2-8 on the 2021 season. This is the first game in an easier stretch of the schedule for the Jets, but it did not improve the team's performance. The Jets made mistake after mistake after mistake in this game, whether it's Isaiah Dunn getting lost on that long touchdown, which happened a couple of times in this game, whether it's the penalties in the key spots, especially the third down penalties to John Franklin Myers and Jason Pinnock, whether it's the Jets failing twice to get even a field goal out of a red zone trip. One came on a Joe Flacco fumble. Another came on a Matt Amendola missed field goal. I mean, you can't have two trips to the red zone that ended no points in the game and expect to win. And the second Amendola field goal miss came in part because Flacco had an intentional grounding penalty that knocked the Jets back 10 yards, made the kick a little tougher, although Amadola still should have made it. In addition to that, the Jets had another trip to the Miami 36-yard line that did not end in points either. That was Amendola's other miss. I forgot to mention this in the first segment, but in the sequence where Amendola missed the second field goal, the Jets burned two timeouts in that series. They burned two timeouts on back-to-back plays. In the second half, I mean, it's one thing to burn two timeouts in the first half, They wasted two second-half timeouts in that sequence. The delay of game penalty on the field goal attempt, the Jets were not able to try. This was a team that could not get out of its own way yesterday, and that's frustrating because unlike a game against a team like Buffalo, you're still in the game against a team like Miami. You know, people can say the Jets were competitive yesterday. Well, that has a lot to do with the level of competition they were facing. This is not Buffalo. This is not a team that's even as good as Indianapolis right now. Not a team as good as New England a couple weeks back. This was a bad Miami team. The Dolphins made mistakes constantly themselves in this game. You know, Tua was very inconsistent, at least in the first half. Miami was begging the Jets to stay in this game. And that's the difference between playing Miami and playing Buffalo. Against Buffalo, you make mistakes. You get crushed. You get blown out. Against Miami, you're still in the game because Miami may not be good enough to take advantage of those mistakes you're making. So the reason they were competitive in this game was that Their opponent was not as good as the opponent last week or the opponent two weeks ago. They just could not take advantage of this. And to me, this is perhaps more frustrating than the Buffalo game or the Indianapolis game. And listen, don't get me wrong. Those games were frustrating. It's never fun to watch your team go out there and be completely uncompetitive in a football game. But you could at least rationalize things. You could say, well, okay, the Jets have a talent issue here. The Jets aren't good enough to compete with these teams. 
this team the Jets were good enough to compete with, they just could not execute for whatever reason. And these mistakes, I mean, these are, there are mistakes that happen because the other team's more talented and they force you into errors. These were unforced errors. I mean, two timeouts on a drive, missed field goals. Even, I mean, listen, the fumble for Flacco in the red zone, maybe that was a good play because the you know you got a free runner. The Dolphins confused the Jets' blocking protection a little bit. Flacco was hit from the blind side. But even then, that's a mistake. Flacco could have gotten the ball out. You just, I mean, if the Jets had a chance to win this game, the Jets beat themselves in this game as much as Miami beat them. Listen, credit to Miami. They're obviously better than the Jets right now, but the Jets had every opportunity to win this game. And I understand it's difficult to win with your, I guess, your number three quarterback. I don't know whether Flacco is the number two quarterback. He's the third quarterback to start a game for the Jets this year. The fourth quarterback to get snaps for the Jets this year. That's not easy to have. But I look at this, I think the Jets lost this game. Last weekend, I thought the Buffalo won the game. You know, it didn't really matter. The Jets could have played a perfect game last weekend. They would have had a tough time beating Buffalo in retrospect. The Jets lost this game. I mean, the, the Miami did not bring their A game in this one. This is very frustrating for me. Now, you look at the quarterback position, and I think it's pretty clear that there's no controversy the way there may have been after Mike White threw for 405 yards against Cincinnati. Flacco gave you more or less what you expected I don't know that he could have done a lot more. Now, again, he made the one to two big mistakes in this game. Aside from that, he generally knew where to go with the ball. Miami was blitzing all game. They only had two sacks of him, which I guess is a tribute to Flacco being able to get the ball out, to know where to go with the football. But he's not really adding anything extra to the equation. He pretty much can take what the defense gives him, but he can't create anything more. There's no splash plays the way Zach Wilson had. The only big play Flacco had was the pass to Elijah Moore. Outside of that play, he averaged less than six yards per attempt. So I guess you could argue Flacco gave you what you would hope from a veteran backup. But at the end of the day, that's only 17 points. And three of those points were scored after the game was effectively decided. Where the Jets essentially got a field goal because Miami was playing prevent defense late in the fourth quarter trying to run out the clock. You know, ultimately, I think Flacco gave you what you, as much as you could have expected. I don't know that you could have expected more from Joe Flacco in this game. He's just not the guy he was in Baltimore. He's a guy clearly near the end of his career. He's not mobile at all. He doesn't like to throw the ball down the field anymore either. You know, which is funny because last year against the Jets, he had the longest average target in the NFL in the four games he started. But if you look at Flacco's career, aside from that, recently he's been pretty much a big check down guy. And I think that was pretty prevalent in this game he did not like to take shots down the field he was not comfortable doing it and the Jets lost I mean listen it's not Flacco's fault Flacco's probably fairly low on the list of players I'd blame although again he did make those big mistakes in the red zone that ended up costing the Jets dearly but you know you look at some of the other guys who failed in this game Matt Amendola I'm sorry Joe Douglas I don't care that Matt Amendola has the biggest leg in the world. Joe Douglas is obsessed with having a big leg for the kicker position. That's why they got Kari Vedvik all those years ago. And Vedvik cost them a game against Buffalo. Joe Douglas has to understand that it doesn't matter how big your leg is if you can't control where the ball's going. The Jets should be having kicker competition this week. There should be an open tryout at the kicker spot this week in Florham Park. Because I've had enough of Matt Amendola. I mean, can this guy make a field goal? I'm sorry. You know, you bring him in because you're supposed to be able to make the 55-yard field. Can't even put it close. I'm so annoyed with Joe Douglas, the way he handles the kicker position. By the way, he's the same way at quarterback. 
and drafting James Morgan because he has a big arm. Joe, it doesn't matter if you have a big arm. You can throw. It doesn't matter if the ball goes 150 miles an hour if you can't control where the ball's going. Get a real kicker in here, Joe. Every team in the NFL can find a real kicker, except you. Somehow, somehow our general manager can't find a kicker. Unbelievable. He had three years to find a kicker. Teams find kickers in August. Teams find kickers in season who can kick the ball through the uprights. You can't. What's wrong with that, Joe? Enough. Ugh. And then, I mean, some of the penalties are just frustrating. Uh, you know, John Franklin Myers, just a unbelievable penalty on third down. I, I have no idea what's going through his head. Jets get a stop there. They're going to force a field goal. Now, Miami's going to take the lead, but it's 17-14 at that point. I don't know what's going through John Franklin Myers' head. And Jason Pinnock, who really has not played much this year, I guess, I mean, it's, I don't know how much I can get on him, a rookie who should not be in the lineup, but it's a holding penalty that really does not impact the play. Uh, just awful performance by the Jets. The Jets blew this game. That, that's what it comes down to. You could say this was a competitive game, unlike the other recent performances by the Jets, but that's because Miami wasn't good enough to take advantage of all the mistakes the Jets made. If the Jets don't beat them, if the Jets don't make these mistakes, they win this game. The Jets beat themselves on Sunday. That's all there is to it, as far as I'm concerned. Now, ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we will finish the show by talking about some of the positive developments from this game, and there were some positives. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about the best tasting protein bar ever, and that's Built Bar. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to eat, but a Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being purely delicious, and there are so many flavors. Coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. And this month, Built is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at Built, B-U-I-L-T dot com. Well, I hope you did not have any money on the Jets yesterday, but you should know that Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving means football, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Bet Online has you covered for all the holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline. They're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. Locked on Jets podcast, recapping the Jets' 24-17 loss yesterday to the Dolphins at MetLife Stadium. It was an ugly performance for the most part, but there were some positives, particularly from a few members of the Jets' rookie class. Michael Carter ran nine times for 63 yards. He was tough to run down. I think that that nine for 63 stat line kind of undersells how effective he was. I mean, there were a couple of plays where he was caught behind the line of scrimmage where he should have gone down for a loss where defenders were unblocked and somehow he made them miss and he turned them into like five yard gains. It was an impressive stat line, but I don't think it 
really tells the story of how impressive he was. Now, Carter had to leave this game with an injury. Hopefully he's okay, but he's really looking like a player. And so is Elijah Moore. You know, we heard all training camp about how explosive Elijah Moore was looking, how he was going to step in and make an immediate impact, and then he was very quiet the first couple weeks of the season. Now, to be fair, you wonder how much he lost his timing due to the injury he suffered in training camp. He did not play in preseason. Something very easy to forget is that all these stories about him dominating training camp, well, after that happened, he was out a few weeks with an injury. And then after the season began and he got up to a slow start, he was in the concussion protocol. And slowly over the last couple of weeks, you've seen him kind of rounding into form. He's become a more consistent part of the offense. He's helping the Jets move the chains. But what's been missing, especially for a player with his game-breaking speed, has been the big play, the splash play. Well, we finally got the splash play yesterday. It was that long touchdown. It was that 62-yard touchdown from Flacco to him. And it was not a deep ball Flacco threw. It was mainly Elijah Moore outrunning the defense after he caught the ball. You know, Elijah Moore looks like a good route runner. He runs very crisp routes. And now we finally saw that game-breaking ability. Moore ended the game with eight catches for 141 yards in that touchdown. And he also had one rushing attempt for 15 yards. It wasn't really a handoff. It was a lateral from Flacco to him. Now, if a quarterback throws the ball backwards, it counts as a rushing attempt for the player who catches it. So I guess you could almost call that a 15-yard reception, which would give Moore nine catches for 156 yards on the day. But that technically counts for a run. So it was one rush for 15 yards. But again, 15-yard play on a lateral where the Jets were just kind of trying to manufacture a touch for him. Moore is looking more and more like a playmaker. He's, he's looking like the guy the Jets were hoping to get when they drafted him. And some of those early disappointments are starting to feel like a long time ago. Let's hope he can keep that up because it seems like the Jets have some good pieces on this offense. And Elijah Vera Tucker, I thought, on the first view looked pretty good. The, he did hit the key block on Michael Carter's big run after the interception. I did not notice anything that was obviously bad to me. Now, I say that with a bit of a caveat. Unlike, say, a Moore or a Carter, offensive line play is very difficult to evaluate in the moment. It's much more difficult to evaluate than skilled players. I'll have to rewatch the film. But on my first look, it seemed like Vera Tucker was playing well, and he's played well through most of the season. So you have three good pieces on offense in this rookie class. You have Carter, you have Moore, and you have Vera Tucker. And if Zach Wilson gets back and plays well, you know this could be the makings of a really exciting young offense. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Hope you have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.